I am Lisa of Two Sober Chicks, Julie and Lisa, and this is our speaker series edition. Today we're going to hear from Danny, and unfortunately, the beginning of his talk was cut off just a bit, but it was too good not to share with you. Please welcome Danny. So uh, I'm they're giving an abuse to a guy that has no idea how to stop drinking. So of course I was getting deathly ill, and I kept drinking, I kept taking it because I was supposed to. And then finally, one day I said, this is insane. And I stopped taking and I just went my merry way. So in 1972, I made my first AA meeting. I was 19 years old. Everybody thought I had a problem, but me. That's not entirely true. I don't know if anybody identifies with this. I knew I had a problem with alcohol, but it was just a little one. It was just a little tiny problem. I didn't have to do anything as drastic as stop drinking at that point. Control it, yes. Stop, stop piling tons of the other stuff on top of it, yes. But I don't need to stop. Let's not get drastic. But I remember I went to this meeting and, and there was a bunch of nice people there. I don't know what kind of meeting it was. I don't know what was said. But I remember this guy, he invited me to a party the next night. And I was like, and it's a funny part that anyway, I, I didn't go, but, you know, I said, what do you do there and, and stuff and, and like, you know, sing and dance and drink coffee and soda and stuff sounded very boring to me. I don't know what sounded exciting, because later on when I was I was in in for a little while and I went to my sponsor, I was being tag team. I was being taken to a meeting in the morning and I was being taken to a meeting at night. So I was about when I first came in, I was getting about I'd say probably about six or seven hours of AA a day. And believe me, it was crammed down my throat. Um, you know, that sounded horrible the way I just said that. That's not the way I meant it. I should say it was given to me on a silver platter, except I didn't really want it yet. So, so later on, when I was in, I went to my sponsor and I said, you know, this AA stuff is boring. All I'm doing is going to these stupid meetings. Isn't there any life besides this? He said to me, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'd like to go to a party. And he did this with his glasses. If you have a sponsor that has glasses and they do this, you know, it's a heavy line coming when they pull the glasses down because they can't see, but they got to pull them down to make a point. And he said to me, when the heck is the last time anybody invited you to a party? And I was like, you know, those, those, those lines of truth that just like, take your pants down and smack you on the butt all in the same step, all in the same moment. Um, that's what, uh, and, and fortunately I've been given those over the years and, and I, I still remember them. Thank God, because I don't remember them, but I re remember the lessons that they were trying to teach me. So I went my merry way and I have to tell you this story. I'll tell it as quick as I can. So I'm in a psych ward. I've seen a psychiatrist and he couldn't understand why I couldn't stop drinking. He put me in a hospital and it fed me pills the whole time. And I came out and the day I got, got out, I got drunk. So now he was getting serious. So now I was not an alcoholic. I was just crazy. So they locked me away in this place. And uh, this was the beginning of the end. I didn't know it, but this was the beginning. So they let me out on a one day pass. This was around the time of the son of, son of Sam. So there's these two guys in suits. I come out of, out of a bar with my wristband on and I'm in the hospital, all the other stuff. And they start asking me questions and I, I'm telling them that I'm on a one day pass from a psych center and they get ready to slip the cuffs on me and take me away. So, so the guy that owned the place came, no, 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 he's okay. He's okay. He lives down the street. 
anyway, I, I went back that day. I had to be carried into the place. And, uh, but this is the, this is the moment that's, I heard that there was an AA meeting there. And because I had went to that one meeting, see, I believe our job, my job is when a newcomer comes into AA, I'm not going to fix them. I'm not going to solve their problems. But if I can give them a little speck of hope, I've done my job. Because Lord knows, sometimes when life gets dark, I look for some hope still today. Just as important today as it was then. So I heard there was an AA meeting and I begged them to let me go. And the nurse said to me, you're not here for alcoholism. You're here because you have mental problems. Anyway, I kept begging and they took me downstairs. Now, you got to understand, I'm in hospital pajamas and I got two guards with me. And I'm sitting in this big room. I don't know what kind of meeting it is, but it's an AA meeting. So the guy, I don't hear anything. It's this old guy with a big cigar. The only thing I heard was get phone numbers. So they're going to take me out before the meeting was over. And I stood up in this big meeting and screamed to the guy, I want your phone number. Now, I got to tell you, if I got somebody yelling at me from across the room in pajamas with guards, I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to give them the right number or give them my number at all. But he said to me words that still to this day, many years later, I still remember. He said, come up here, kid. And he gave me his phone number. And I do what we do with stuff when we're not ready. I threw it away. Here's the ironic part. Two weeks later, I was 12-stepped into this wonderful fellowship. And uh, by, a, by a priest that always wore his collar and a retired streetcar conductor. So these, these dudes were old. And again, I don't remember anything that they said. I remember this one line as if it was yesterday. We know how you feel. We can help. That was enough. That was enough for me at that day. And they said somebody would pick you up the next day. Be standing outside. And the last thing they said before they walked out the door and said, please do us all a favor. Take a shower. Because me and me and water had become we were not on the best of terms. Next day, I'm standing outside and I'm waiting for a car to pull up. And this guy pulls up and the window goes down. And who is it? The guy in the psych ward that gave me his phone number was the guy of all the members of AA all over the world. That was the guy to pick me up to go to my first meeting. Uh, to me, that's impossible. And yet I lived it. <laughs> and uh, he took me. I remember at my first meeting, I started like going kind of into a seizure a little bit. And uh, I remember there was a guy, there was this guy, Bernie Sachs, and there was this other guy, Don T. Don T had gotten sober in 1939, and Bernie was the guy that took me. And I remember they put their hands on my, on my shoulders, and they said to me, it'll be okay, kid. And it stopped. So I started going to meetings, and I did, you know, the 90 meeting in 90 days. And of course, I'm, I'm a, a practicer of extremes. So, you know, I probably went to, no exaggeration, probably between two and 300 meetings in 90 days. But I didn't drink. See, that was the thing. It didn't matter what I did. Go to meetings, talk to your sponsor, take rides, do those things. I remember they used to say, carry a dime in your pocket. Now everybody's got a cell phone. That's not a problem. Uh, and I started to go. And I started to get involved. And see, today, the same things that got me sober then will keep me sober today. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous has a three-legged stool, and, and it, without one of them, it will topple. 
unity, recovery, and service. And I believe all of those things. The unity is me and you. The recovery is the program of recovery, the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, and the 12 concepts, I guess, if I could ever figure them out. Uh, but all of those things are, are part of part of that three-legged stool. And the last part is the service. And you know, it's it's amazing. And and I, I have to add this part. You know how like when you have friends in AA, there's friends in AA that you talk to and you laugh with and stuff, and, and everything's cool and everything's hunky-dory. Then you have friends in AA that'll call you up and say, Hey Danny, I got this commitment. You want to do it? Well, hey Danny, I think it would be good if you do this. Well, Danny, why don't you take this? And uh, if it sounds like I'm knocking that, I am not. I am saying that with the greatest amount of love and respect that people could have the, the chutzpah to talk to me frankly, to tell me the truth. My first sponsor, I, I will just share this, that I was, I was in the kitchen, you know, because now I, I came from like almost like feral, like I couldn't speak the English language to now, like I haven't drank it about two or three months. So now like, I wanna be one of the guys. So I'm in the kitchen and I'm cleaning the ashtrays and I'm cleaning the coffee cups. And now I'm starting to get angry. <laughs> two months before I couldn't speak. Now I'm getting angry because I'm cleaning this stuff all by myself. Nobody's helping me. And what's worse is I can hear upstairs, I can hear them outside smoking and laughing. And every laugh that I heard, I got angrier. I find. I finally took an ashtray and I threw it against the wall, glass ashtray. The second I did that, my sponsor walked down the stairs. Oh, sugar. So he says to me, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, these people, they don't care. I'm working my fingers to the bone and they're all having fun. And he said to me, don't do it. I said, well, somebody's got to do it. He said, yes, you are right. Somebody's got to do it. It doesn't have to be you. And then this was the clip. This was the, the big one to me. He said, we don't need you. You need us. And that was the truth. It was the truth then. And it's the truth today. Was he trying to hurt my feelings? No, because what I found in AA is that the, the men and women that have helped me along this journey cared much more about my life than they did about my feelings. <laughs> I should <laughs> I, I had a guy I sponsored once and he said to me, you know, you just hurt my feelings. And I said, to, I won't use a name, but I said to him, oh, by the way, did you realize that everybody has feelings? He was like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> and I identify with that. So anyway, I, I got a job and then my life started to get together. I got a job, I got a job and then I got a career. I became from a guy sleeping in the park. I became a New York City firefighter. I normally don't mention that because in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter, but it ties into the story a little bit later. <laughs> yes, Stacy, I might go there. Um, I'm shaking already just thinking of it. Uh, what I'm shaking of is, is after 24 years, I picked up and I picked up because I couldn't handle what I saw down at the Trade Center. It just was, it just was haunting me and haunting me and haunting me. And I just, I hadn't been to an AA meeting in a long, long time. And uh, you know where it talks about in the book, having no defense against the first drink. See, once again, that seemed like a solution to me. 
And that's scary for us when the alcohol or the drugs and or the drugs seem like the solution. And they seem like the solution at the time. And that worked for about two days. I didn't have to think, I didn't have to feel, I didn't have to care, I didn't have to cry. I could just be left alone. Anyway, so I started going to meetings and then after a while I got married and I got this career and stuff. And, you know, to be honest with you, and I'm going to be brutally honest on myself. I'm not proud of saying this, but I had gotten enough from you guys. I didn't need you anymore. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I needed you. I figured my life had been put together and everything was... Everything was, except I wasn't even acknowledging to myself that I married a woman with two kids and, you know, they're 47 and 44 now and, and they're my kids, but I had no idea how to be a father. <laughs> I had no idea how to be a husband, a friend, none of that stuff. I had to learn all of that stuff. And the only way I was going to learn it is being honest with somebody and telling them how I feel. I had built up too much pride, too much ego, and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't tell people I don't know that the great Danny Messina didn't know how. And uh, it came with a hell of a price. So I drank. I don't remember what day it was. And uh, I know that all along this, along with Bernie was this guy, Dennis. And Dennis is still my sponsor today. 47 years later, he's still my sponsor. And I still talk to him probably four or five times a week. I also have a guy in Florida now because Dennis lives in South Carolina. And I think it's important for me to have somebody that I can look at face to face. It's I'm not giving an opinion here. It's just important to me. I need to do that because sometimes, see, I, I know on the telephone that I can I can sell a load of baloney. Sometimes if I really I can still be an actor, you know, if I try really hard because I don't want them to know. So I, I just. For me, it's I like to have accountability, if that makes any sense. And by having a guy that I could sit down and look at, plus he's a guy from up in Chicago. So it's like his, his joy is the same as mine. Let's get in the car and go to a meeting, you know, pack four or five guys, maybe even get a couple of cars and go to a meeting. And, you know, all the way there and all the way back, we'd laugh and we'd talk about life. And we See, I think I've learned a lot more about life. I hope this doesn't sound sacrilegious. I've learned more about life standing in parking lots or sitting in cars than I have at meetings. Now I've learned a lot at meetings about staying sober, about the steps, about inventory, about honesty and, and all those wonderful principles of the steps. But the real nuts and bolts of the stuff happens behind the scenes, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And uh, after I drank, I just kept drinking. I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. I'd get a couple of days together. One time, one time I, you know what a reason to drink was? <laughs> this is a good one. Guy gave me a 90 day coin and I had 90 days, but because I knew I wasn't really a part of AA and I was just kind of kidding everybody and myself, I went out and drank. <laughs> so, so I got a 90 day coin that day and that evening I was drunk. Go figure. You know, the mind, the mind and heart and spirit of an alcoholic is just, you know, I know that line in the book and, and I, I, you know how it is when we read the book, there's certain lines that every time, and it's always different. They're never the same, but when you read them, it's like, oh yeah. You know, um, 
and, and where it talks about, you know, who wants to be rigorously honest, you know, and then it goes on to say, and I can't quote it, but I know the last line is only as willing as the dying can be. I know what it's like to want to die. I know what it's like to curse the light every day that I woke up, that I wake up. I know what it's like to curse at God. About a year ago, I, ha I had a bunch of surgeries and about a year ago, I, um, I was angry this day, really was angry. And uh, I, I cursed God, loud. I have a big mouth if you can't tell, uh, but I cursed God and my wife looked at me in horror. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, that's right. And I said it again. And she said to me, you know how, like when your, your partner says to you, well, you better call your sponsor. So that's what she hit me with. She hit me with the, you better call Dennis. So I've learned that when she tells me that I do it. <laughs> if I've learned one thing, it's that. So anyway, I called Dennis up and I told him what happened. He got hysterical on the phone. He thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And I said to him, I don't think this is funny. And, and he, he has the same accent as mine. So you got to understand with the accents. Do you think this is the first time that anybody has ever cursed God? Probably not. He says, well, you're not that important. Just say thank you and go on with your day. Thank you, Dennis, <laughs> once again. So I just couldn't, you know, I, I was coming to meetings and nobody was recognizing my genius. And, and the two things, and we've talked about this and the two statements that I think kill more newcomers than anything or kill more AA members. Uh, yeah, but, and I know. Because the second I tell you one of those things means I ain't listening to a word you say. I've made my mind up. I'm right, you're wrong, and I don't want to hear it. Uh, what is that thing uh, that, that will keep a man in everlasting ignorance, contempt prior to investigation? Um, so some of those... Some of those last paragraphs in the book are just amazing. It's like they take that whole thing and just summarize it in that little tiny paragraph. Yeah. Sorry. It's too early for that. Hey, this is better than the way I was a few months ago. So I started to come to meetings and uh, I started and I got a sponsor. And isn't it amazing? It's amazing to me that I got a sponsor. And I haven't picked up a drink since that day. Isn't that amazing how that works? You know, they told me, join a home group. Well, I joined the home group. I haven't picked up a drink since I joined the home group and became involved in that. Amazing. They told me to pick up the phone and use it. And I was like, I don't want to talk to these people. I don't know who the heck they are. I was, I was convinced to use the phone. And I use the phone, an amazing thing happens. When I use the phone, I don't have to drink. I remember this one time years ago, it was a long time ago, I was new, and uh, I was gonna drink this day. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. I had eight phone numbers. I, I still have the little phone book. I had eight numbers in my little red phone book, and I called all eight and nobody was home. I was like, uh-oh, what do I do? I called New York Intergroup, and, uh, they stayed on the phone with me for about 45 minutes. And then all of those eight numbers, I called them all back throughout the day. And I ended up talking to them. I was on the phone for about eight to 10 hours that day. And I don't like the phone, 
but I didn't drink. See, that's the amazing thing is like, you know, people give me suggestions and sometimes I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I know what I'm doing. And other times I'll actually take the, the suggestion and follow through. And it's always amazing to me how it works out. You know, it doesn't have to be about me. That sponsor I got, as you can see, the, the whole trade center thing has haunted me for all. I've been in therapy. Actually, I just did a, a PhD candidate just interviewed me on grief and loss uh, for his uh, for his thesis, which he got. And he's a PhD now. But um, and for the first time in a while, I told him the truth and I cried and I wanted to run away and I, I I wish it didn't happen, but it, it did. It's, it's a part of my experience now. So I kept getting drunk and I kept getting drunk and I kept getting drunk. They, my job sent, I was AWOL from my job. I don't know how I still have a job, but I was AWOL from my job for months. And, but I was assigned to the counseling unit. Of course, like, you know, they're supposed to cover for me so I could do what I want. Well, ain't this that old thing? You know, my life is unmanageable. Why? because it has a psychopath as a manager. And I think that I think that my life should be arranged around what I think I should do, but worse than that, I think that your life should be arranged so that it fits in my life better. <laughs> I'm married 37 years now and it don't work that way. <laughs> Never has, thank God I should say. But, so you know, I. Oh, I, and I remember when I when I moved from New York to here, my sponsor had said to me, you know, because when I the first time I moved, I always equated or I always compared them to to the city, you know, and it's a bunch of farmers, bunch of yokels. They don't know about AA. And I never went. I never even gave them a chance. And the funny thing is, some years later, that's exactly where I got sober again. And those people that I was judging, they were right there. They were right there, and and how grateful I was that they were. So funny how things work. I had a guy, we were probies together. That's when you knew. And um, we lived in the same area and he was trying to get sober. This before I drank and I used to take him to meetings. And, uh, you know, flipped the script a few years and now he's taking me to meetings. Isn't that ironic how that works out? But he knew I was, he knew it, that if I didn't do something, I was going to die. You know, I don't drink to have fun. I, I drink to, well, alcohol has not been fun in a long, long time. I, I basically drink to escape and then give me a few days and I drink to die because that's what I want. You know, it, it's, it's scary and shocking to me how willing I was to embrace death. Embrace it. Craved it. Wanted it. If I would have got that, I wouldn't have had, you know, the last... 47 years of this. I'm not sober all that time, but that's when I came back into AA it was about, about 47 years ago. And I lasted 24 and I drank. Now, if, if I had been doing the things that, you know, there's, there's a line, again, I, I, lines. Um, it's not in the book, actually, but something I've heard said at meetings quite a few times. If you stick to the basics, you never have to go back to them. You know, there, there were things that worked for me like take my home group, right? Now, my home group, when I first started going there, it was perfect for me. If you had under 30 years, you were a newcomer. So I considered myself a newcomer. And uh, 
but it was it was men and women with a lot of time in AA that are still working on their program. They're still doing service. They're still reaching out. They're still involved in the group. Right now, we have two guys in the, one with forty two and the other guy with the other one with forty three. They make coffee. They're like a team. You know, they show. So the big joke with them is like, who can get there first to get the coffee started? So for an eight o'clock meeting by six thirty in the morning, the coffee's gone. <laughs> it's like, why don't you make it the night before? And just bring it over. But that's that's their that's their little game, and they, you know, and and when I see them, they say, "Oh, I beat them here today. I made the coffee. Great, good for you, man." <laughs> uh, see, I found the joy in AA, and I had forgot that I had lost that. And and any of these people that know me, when it comes to meetings, I'm a sourpuss. I really am. I usually have a scowl on my face. Because it's not going the way I think it should be going. Should I be letting all these secrets out? I don't know. But anyway, so I got this guy and I got a sponsor and I started to do the things that I had done the first time. I went back to the basics again. I remember the time he said to me, I had about a month. He said, go talk to that guy over there. I, said, I don't want to talk to that guy. He said, go over and talk to him. I said, I don't know him. I got nothing to say. What do you want me to say to him? And he said to me, you got a friggin' name, don't you? Go tell him your name. Okay. You know, the one thing that I have that, and, and, you know, I don't care how much I resist inside, like a suggestion. <laughs> you know, I, I could like rail against it. Like, I don't want to do this. That doesn't matter. But if I do, <laughs> the important thing is that I do it. You know, I, I happen to be fortunate that I, I think, um, my sponsor has never tried to be everything to me. And because of that, he's been everything to me. We've been friends for about 47 years now. And, uh, about a year ago, his wife died and, uh, and you know, I have been pretty sick. So I remember he called me, I said to him, you know, he wanted me to come to visit her in the hospital. I said, I can't do it. Man. He said, all right, I'll tell you what, when she, cause she was going to die and he knew it. He said, when she dies, I need you. Now, he has never said that to me before in my life. He said, I need you. I went. Because he's always been there for me. See, I believe in God. I believe in the steps. I believe in AA with every fiber of my being. You guys carried the message to me. See, before I knew about a God, before I knew about the steps, before I knew about a coffee pot or anything else, there was your hand. You know, that, that part in I am responsible. I wish the hand of AA to always be there. And for that, I am responsible. So I started to come to meetings and he got me involved again. And, and he was the guy, thank God, that went to a lot of meetings. So we went to a lot of meetings. And I had a car, so it was cool. Like, cause you know how the new guy always gets in the back? It's always in the back of the car, unless you're driving. So of course I'd volunteer to drive all the time. So I always sat in the front seat, like I was cool with my sponsor. Almost wanted to put my arm around him, like we're on a date. He's all mine, you can't have him. <laughs> that makes more sense to me probably. But, and, uh, and then I, about 10 years ago, I moved. 
And uh, I hadn't stopped going to meetings. And I remember the sponsor that I had at the time. He said to me, Danny, do me a favor. When you go down there, don't tell them how we do things here. They don't care. You know, because the first time I had moved, I was like, you know, I compared the two. And at this time, it did not. And But and once again, the hand of AA. So I started going around here and I was... I was going to some meetings and I actually hooked up with two guys from New York. I don't know how the heck that happened, but we go to meetings together. And it just, it wasn't, it just wasn't working for me. And uh, I kept running into this woman. She's the, uh, she hates when I say this, but she's the grand dame of our group. She's the senior member of our group. And, and I love her dearly. I don't agree with everything she says, but I love her dearly. And she kept saying to me, come to celebration, come to celebration, come to celebration. So I did because I, I called up my sponsor up in New York and I said, I can't do this. I, I just can't. What do you mean? I can't do it. But then in the back of my head was see how God takes care of us when we're trying to do the right thing. In the back of my head, it was, a, it was almost like a mantra in my head. Go to celebration. Go to celebration. <laughs> um, so I went. And I found a home. And then there were about, there was another four guys that all moved from different parts of the country at the same time and guys that had been around. We ended up going to breakfast every day, going to meetings. Then we ended up, and there was five of us. So that meant five spouses. All 10 people got along. <laughs> Tell me when that happens. But so they, they ended up calling us the Musketeers. Well, what they were to me were family. I've always been lucky in AA, and I don't know why. Maybe it has something to do with me. I don't know. I don't like to think that way. But I've always had these wonderful people, really wonderful people and wonderful AA members willing to walk this journey with me. Now, they haven't always been nice. I remember one time I said, I said, S-T, you know, but I said it, the word. Oh, no, I said SU something about pain. And my sponsor goes to me after the, he, I'm walking towards him after me, he goes like this. Next thing I know, he grabs me by the collar. I kid you not, this old man was grabbing me by the collar. And he said to me, don't ever let me hear you talk like that at a meeting again. Said, the heck is he talking about? I said, what do you mean? So he said, think about it. I said, you mean, he said, yeah, don't use it again. So I say silly words at AA now, poop and stink and, you know, silly stuff like that, rather than use the other descriptive words that actually fit sometimes. But I remember what I've been given. That's why I have this monkey suit on is because my sponsor, the same guy told me when, when somebody gives you the gift of allowing you to speak at an AA meeting, you don't go like you went before. You go like a gentleman. You show them what AA means. You show them what, what sobriety means. So I still remember that. So that's what I do. Even at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, oh, she's got a better one. She's got one lined up for me sometime at six in the morning. When I just stay up all night, we'll do a round robin. Anyway, you know, I, I might sound like I'm fooling around, but I hope that in the serious times, it was serious. Um, I remember when I was in rehab, I was probably in about five or six rehabs. And then 
displaced. They let me do an outpatient thing so I wouldn't have to drive to the city because I lived up in the country. And uh, so I'd go to, I'd stay there all week, not stay there, but you know, I was able to go home. It's great. And then I get high on the weekends. <laughs> Made perfect sense to me until the, my godfather went on vacation. And the next day, the guy called me up and he said, because this guy didn't like me and he knew the game I was playing. He said, you're out of there. Go find yourself a job. Your, your party is over. You know, I was able to go to that guy's office and thank him sometime later. I went to his office. I knocked on the door and he looked at me and what do you want? I wanted to thank you for what you did for me because he pushed me in a direction, you know, and, and that's the thing. I, I may not always know what to do, but if allow you to push me in a direction because it's usually towards God or usually towards the truth. I'll just give you this last one, the, the touchy feely guy I had in New York. I was talking about the same stuff that I was talking about a thousand times. And we were standing in front of this church and it had this big wooden cross. And you know how when your sponsor says something, he's going to ask you a question. You're like, get all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want? So he says, Danny, do me a favor. I said, yeah, Bobby, what's that? He said, get off the cross. We need the wood. Right in front of the cross. And uh, again, you know, I didn't like it. I'm not saying I ever liked this stuff. But I remember I had to look where it was coming from. You know, were they trying to hurt me? In my particular case, nobody was. They weren't trying to hurt me. They were trying to give me life. You know, so I did all this stuff that you do. You know, I made coffee and I went to a lot of meetings and I talked to my sponsor every day, probably multiple times a day. <laughs> I remember my first sponsor, this before before uh, answering machines or cell phones or any of that stuff. So his wife usually answered the phone. And when his wife, I'd say, hi, Adrian, it's me. And she'd say to him, Dennis, it's him again. She just died about six months ago of, of cancer. And uh, when she was sick, I went up there and we would talk. No, she was actually at a house. She said, you know, she said, I always thought of you as my fourth child. Now, meanwhile, I was only a few years younger than her, but, but that's the way I was taken care of. I was taken care of like I was their child, you know. I didn't know how to live. I had no idea how to live in a world without drugs and alcohol. You showed me. And you, you didn't tell me. See, this is the cool part. Most of the stuff that I've learned in AA wasn't what somebody told me. It was what I saw. That, that last counselor, the only one in the place that, now this is the fire, the fire department, you know, I forget what they call it, but their counseling unit. None of them would work with me. When I would call up, they would hang up. This one guy, he wouldn't give up on me. This guy, Mike, Mike B. And, uh, some tragedies hit his life and he ended up going out drinking. And I don't know if he ever came back, but before he did, he gave me this. And I remember I was, I was sitting in his office one day and he said to me, oh, I was there to speak at the Christmas party. And he said to me, Danny, you know, you owe. I said, yeah, my, Mike, I know, I know, I know. You know, I know, I know, I know. And he said, no. And you know, usually like, I was always taught that in you know, in life, if you really want to know how, how somebody feels, ask them twice. You ever see like you go up to somebody, hey, don't fine. Then you look at them like dead in the eye and say, 
how you doing? And all of a sudden, the story changes a little bit and the truth starts coming out. See, if I care enough to stop and look you in the eye and ask you, you might actually speak up. So when he said to me, no, you owe, today I remember. And I don't owe him. And I don't owe the people that came before me, although I do. To me, I do. I owe the people that haven't come here yet. That's who I owe. That's why I need to keep AA strong. That's why I need to keep keep growing inside and looking at myself and do these inventories that I loathe sometimes and, and keep doing all that stuff because I remember one day I was really deep in pain and um, didn't see any reason for it. And I remember my sponsor in one of those touchy-feely moments that he had, he said to me, you know, somebody's going to walk through the door someday and you're going to be able to help them because you've been where they are. Does that mean I like where I've been? No, but it takes away its edge. It takes away the, it takes away the, the, the power that it has over me because it really does. My pain has a power over me at times. Uh, I'm winding down, so I, I probably better shut up. And I don't know if I said anything of value, but I will say this in closing that I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love the people in it. I love that Stacy's my friend and pushes me in the right direction every chance she gets. And today, I love you guys. God bless you. Danny, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us at a Solution Seekers Beginners Meeting and two Sober Chicks.